You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we Welcome back, because we had to go back, Megan. We had to go back. You're going to make that joke every episode. To No Love Lost, (laughs) the podcast where we revisit Lost. I love it. I have feelings. (laughs) Um, I'm Will Link. With me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, guys. And we're going to be talking about uh, the season one, episode three tabula rasa are we sure we're pronouncing that correctly i here's the thing (laughs) tabula rasa is a term i know what it means but i never know how to say it because the only time i ever see it is like written out somewhere or in the title of an episode (laughs) that's like a tv writer going like hey guys check out my awesome vocabulary but but it's the idea that knowledge comes from it, it, like experience that you can't be born with with so you're born as a blank slate. Ah, basically. that's that's a good way of putting it. I have the uh, Merriam-Webster di- uh, dictionary definition right here, along with the phonetic pronunciation. Uh, and definition number one says the mind in its hypothetical primary blank or empty state before receiving outside impressions. And the second definition is something existing in its original pristine state. Do you know who came up with this idea? No, I do not. A philosopher by the name of John Locke. (laughs) I get it. Uh, It does say here, first known use is 1535. So if uh, the internet can be believed, that that lines up. Yep. Um, And it's one of the many deep dives that you can go in on this show which is one of the reasons why i love it <laughs> even though the it, deep dives are fun it would just be nice if the surface level stuff was great too well the, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it the other thing about this episode is that the title speaks directly to an idea that comes towards the end of this episode where Jack is basically saying it doesn't matter who we were. It doesn't matter. Uh, This is a chance to start over. Which, let me say, uh, he's really committing. (laughs) In this episode, people are very quickly now, they've been on the island how many days now? Like two. Two, (laughs) maybe three. Maybe by the end it's like the fourth day. They really committed to the idea of, well, we're going to be here forever, maybe. Because he's like... <laughs> well, I mean, they... Because, yeah, they, they come back from um, from their little thing, and they don't want to tell everybody that that message has been playing for 16 years. And they know from the black box that there were they were a thousand miles off course, so, like, the rescue crew would be looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Anyway, not to mention stupid island magic would prevent them from being found anyway because this is dumb. <laughs> no, no, it's smart. The island, you can move the island. 
And sometimes oh the island God. moves. That makes sense to me. It would make sense if it was on the back of a turtle. Not because of time travel. We'll get there. We'll get there one day. But um, I, I do, like I said, I, I really, I don't have much to complain about in this first season. And this is a solid episode. My only complaint, actually kind of looking at the episode as a whole, is that whole idea of them having a blank slate. You know, or or specifically Jack going, Kate, it doesn't matter. Is that later on down the road, he very much cares <laughs> what she did. Well, well, that that's the other thing that I think is kind of funny about this. As I'm watching this with the knowledge of everything yeah. to come. Kate, I don't really care what you did. You will. <laughs> but but that's that see, that's the thing. I don't know why you wouldn't. Like I, I find it a little bit of a tough dive, and I probably didn't back in two thousand four. Well, because I, we didn't know. But, but it's not even knowing what she did, because I would also make the argument what she did isn't nearly as bad as it's made out to be. Or, or um, again, with the idea of not knowing where the show was going to go, the idea that maybe this blank slate is the important thing of like, you know, it doesn't matter what she did. What, what matters is what she chooses to do here and now. Look, it's a nice idea, but I would want to know the oh, people no. I'm on the island with. I, I definitely want to know if she's like, I want to tell you what I did. I, I definitely like stabbed a bunch of people. Uh, and well, the- <laughs> for, all they know, for all they know, she's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm a cannibal. I'm a, I'm a serial killer. Oh, Thank you for telling me. We're going to quarantine you to the other side of the island now. The last thing you want to do is be <laughs> on a deserted island with a cannibal. But as we- I just can't stop stabbing. But but as we've made it clear already, this is a Kate episode. Yes. And that's where the flashbacks are focused on. Uh, but it, it's funny. We talk about what Kate did. We don't find out exactly what Kate did until season. I looked it up because I remember the episode <laughs> title was what Kate did. <laughs> and it was in season two. We don't find out until season two, episode nine. Actually, I'm really surprised look, like hearing that that it was revealed that quickly because for some reason, I feel like I didn't know until like season four. Do you, do you remember what she did? I feel like she stabbed her dad, right? She didn't stab her dad. She blew up her stepdad's house with him yeah. in it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I was going to say, I but think he, she killed someone in his sleep. I couldn't remember who. But he was an abusive prick. He was a monster, yes. So but she she took extreme, she took measures, uh, the vigilante justice to the extreme. Um, um, it's true. <laughs> but, I, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, the U.S. Marshal is, he is obsessed with how horrible, like, she's dangerous, she's the worst, she got to you, and... You know, I love Kate. We all love Kate because we've seen the whole history of the show. And it's hard to get myself back in the time frame of thinking thinking of her as a dangerous criminal. And I would also argue that the show never, in retrospect, and you didn't do a lot of rewatching of the show while you were in the show back in 2004. In retrospect, the show never made her as dangerous as his threats of her were. And I guess you can write that off. To, this marshal was just obsessive with getting her. He was. And he built her into something she wasn't. He almost but, created like this mythology around her as this horrible monster. Or you can make the argument that the show decided to go in a different direction with some things well, about her. Well, it's so interesting looking at this episode knowing now that originally she was going to be the protagonist uh, and that that changed and that that whole plan changed to focus on Jack. 
So I'm sitting here looking at this episode, wondering if maybe one of the things Jack would have said to her before meeting his untimely end would have been like, Kate, it doesn't matter what you did. You know, uh, we all get a blank slate. It matters what you do from now on. Now, excuse me as I shuffle off this mortal coil. Go be the protagonist. And that would have been her jumping off point for a character arc where she was the focus of the show. As much as I love the show and I love it so much, the idea of the criminal, the woman who was the criminal on the run being the de facto leader, it, it I, I, I'm, that would have been... That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. That would have been really awesome. And I'm not just saying that also because Jack becomes my least favorite character, who I only then get emotionally attached <laughs> to again in the last moments of the series. I, I will <laughs> say that I really love Jack in this first season. Um, I know he goes through some ups and downs and some annoying character bits, but so does everybody. And, and this is where I'm most interested in Kate's storyline, too. Before, again, when she's proto-protagonist material, as opposed to a, an object for Jack and Sawyer to sort of fight over and assert their masculinity over. And, you know, she feels in later seasons like a pawn to cause drama as a like in this love triangle dynamic as opposed to a character with her own story well, which is such a shame looking at this and knowing how close she was to being the main character it, it, it's just because i don't remember it being as bad as as you do with her I, I remember it in the middle season particularly season three yeah of the having that issue um but then again, you know, I'll be Maybe. curious to rewatch and see if that carries over. But I feel Maybe. like, oh, go ahead. I feel like once, once we get there, like well, it'll be a different story. Well, season three, I, I definitely know moments where that that happens. But I feel like eventually, you oh. know, Sawyer's got the whole Juliet thing, and Kate's no longer. Don't even get me started on Juliet. That's a that's a can of worms you don't want to open yet, Will. I don't. Don't open it. Juliet. <gasps> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. How dare you? <laughs> um, but what I'm saying here is like maybe I took more issue with it because she was she is the main female character. Yes. And to relegate her to draw you know, they kind of um did what they did with um with um Kira Knightley's character in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you know, in the sequels, they're like, oh, the kids need a love triangle. So Yo. we're we're going to turn this awesome, cool female character with a bunch of agency and who's cool in her own right without having any sort of. And, and we're just going to make her the, the person there to cause drama between our two male leads. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? I, Although yeah, those, I don't know. I the, don't know, those, man. Those sequels are terrible. But that always struck me as the most bizarre out of nowhere part I mean, of them. but the we, best part of the pirate sequels is making her the pirate king but for the most part she's just there to cause drama between will and jack i didn't even remember she became a pirate king i don't even Which, know what, like but, i said her being the pirate king is awesome but that's that's way off track Sorry. but this is this is not a pirates of the caribbean podcast it's a lost podcast <laughs> So let's Although let's be honest, if like the if the Pirates of the Caribbean series goes on for long enough, they will stumble across the Lost Island. So since we're talking a lot about Kate's background already, why don't we why don't we talk about the flashbacks? Yeah. Before we get into what's going on in the in the in the in the here and now. Um 
this is the first episode that did the real flashback structure. Yes. You know what was interesting? focused on one character primarily. Yeah. But you know what was interesting? It went really slow-mo on Kate before it went into the flashbacks, which isn't something they continued to do. Thank goodness. Because all of a sudden, like, she's looking down at the marshal, and, like, all of a sudden, like, her hair is blowing in slow motion. I'm like, I don't remember this. <laughs> really and, glad that they, they just went to the hard cuts. <laughs> yeah. The hard cuts are better. Um, but... Uh, What's interesting is uh, we get her. She has run away to Australia. She is hiding in this. Uh, She's literally hiding in this guy's barn. Yeah. Yeah. And the farmer comes. He's got like a. For a moment, I thought this was the bad guy from Wolf Creek. And I'm really glad that like I looked it up on IMDb. It's not. But for a moment, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's been a long time since I've watched this episode. It's funny. And this is something else as I rewatch I'm going to take note of like how deep all these flashbacks actually go because the flashbacks felt like when i watched the series back then they felt kind of epic but this scene this is actually very slight it's only really maybe four times they cut back and one is a continuation of the previous scene and and i really i appreciate the flashback format and the problem and and i feel like maybe this is one of the reasons why i dropped off of once upon a time um after after a little while as well the flashback format worked really well in this first season as the series went on i felt like the flashbacks started to contradict themselves um that's probably another reason why they started going flash (laughs) they're like oh shoot uh, all uh, the stuff we're digging into doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta go to the future and then the, go to a different dimension. The flashbacks make sense. Yeah, here, especially because it's in the days immediately. Le- and I think this is where the flashbacks are at their strongest, where it's the days immediately leading up to getting on the plane. Because it shows you exactly where all of these people are when we initially meet them in the pilot. And so it, for me, in this first season... These flashbacks are the most well thought out because it's the emotional building blocks to where we initially meet them and everything is consistent. Um, Let's, holy cow, by the way, when we get to the next episode, I'm going to be in tears. Uh, so, the we see that she, she ends up, she says her name's Annie. She ends up working on this farm and you get the idea that uh, Ray, the farmer, has become kind of a father figure to her. Yeah. Which plays better in why you need to go deeper back in flashbacks eventually for emotional reasons. I get you, That I get she you. has father issues. Uh, well, everyone on the show has father issues. That's actually a <laughs> Name big Name a character thing. that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a big th- Locke has the biggest. But they all Holy have. Holy cow, yeah. Name a character that doesn't. They all have father oh, no. issues on the show. Um, that's a big theme of Lost. And what was J.J. Abrams trying to tell his dad? Yeah, I, <laughs> I want to get. I need I your meet, approval. I want to meet and da- stop drinking so much. I want to meet Damon Lindelof's father and be like, "What did you do to your son?" <laughs> um, but anyway, they're all, and you know, there's a warmth in in yeah. to them. But she's gonna move on, and he catches her in the middle of the night, and he knows she's been forging away money, and yeah. he's like. He's like, hey, let me stay the night. I'll drive you to the train station myself in the morning. And she, Red flag, Kate. Just go. Just go, girl. And I Get feel, gone, girl. I feel like 
Kate normally would if it was like if it was like you or me doing this, but because it's a father figure, and again, this is shit we don't know yet, but because it's a father figure, she buys into the warmth. It's something she didn't really have. And she's willing to stay that extra night. And sure enough, it backfires on her. And it's mm-hmm. funny, I had forgotten until I saw, saw the scene in the car that he sells her out. Like, I had forgotten. I'm like, I know this goes south, but how? And like, then, you're thinking, maybe there's a car crash or something? And hmm. when they were in the car, I'm like, immediately, oh, right. I'm like, oh, that's right. He's going to sell her out. And I had forgotten that, which is kind of which, the joy of going back to see a show that you haven't seen in like 14 years. Yeah, but. And, and here's the thing is that I... I really do think this episode is fantastic for setting her up as the criminal with a heart of gold. Because when we're initially introduced to her in the pilot and we find out that she's the one the U.S. Marshal um, was escorting back to the States, we don't know how dangerous she is and we don't know how much she's playing innocent when she's dismantling a gun. You know, we're, we're sitting here going like, dude, there's uh, we know that she's on the run and we know that she does get scared but we also don't know what she's fully capable of and this is the episode that really and we don't know how much of what she's doing here on the island is putting on an act yeah um but here in this flashback scene we really do get the sense that she might be a criminal but she has a soft spot or at the very least she is human and she she longs for that human connection either because she's been on the run for so long or because whatever she did, she's not that bad of a person. Um, sells her out. They're being tailed by the U.S. Marshal. He Which, pulls up. By the her, way. Gives her finger guns. <laughs> and he is driving super irresponsibly. Like, he must have had that car tapped to know when. He's like, hey, you know what's the most dramatic point? I could pull up and be an asshole. <laughs> Well, that's oh, the thing. now, they, now that now that the reveal has been made, finger guns. Well, that's the thing. The U.S. Marshal, he's so, he's, he's got a great he, sense of dramatic timing. He's so determined to get her, and he's fucking around. But because he's fucking around, she decides to take the opportunity. And it's you know you almost feel a little bad for him because he's by he's still calling her Annie. He thinks she's from Canada. Like it's like he's so naive, really, <laughs> that he still thinks that all these things are true. Um, but he also sucks because he sold her out. Don't sell people out that yet let But <laughs> at the same time, you completely understand where he's coming from because he sees her wanted picture and he knows that she's storing away her earnings in a tin can as opposed to depositing them or, or doing anything a normal person would do. And he doesn't know what she's done. She could be a murderer for all he knows. She could be a serial killer, a kidnapper, done any number of violently dangerous things. But at the same time, and, and yeah, that's it's not selfish. What he's, that's not what he's worried about. He he likes her. He, he does. He her. does. But she's still a criminal and he has a mortgage. So you can understand. So hell cr- of a mortgage. Criminals. <laughs> Don't go hide out on Megan's farm. She's going to sell you out the second she can. (laughs) No, but like when I do, you'll understand, right? (laughs) I like that, though. I'm defending criminals like, like, oh, he killed 16 people. Eh, don't sell him out. He's working on your farm. He's tending the sheep. Come on. He's digging those holes for you. Oh, wait, those aren't. 
holes you asked him to dig? What's he digging holes for? Oh, all the bodies that he's burying on your property? But oh, she, okay, that's cool. She flips the truck uh, in an accident, and she drags him out of the truck. She saves she his life, and that is why she gets caught. I almost wish the U.S. Marshal didn't have the line, though, but this is network television uh, where he has the line where he goes, Goes, you could have, you would, you would have got away if you didn't save the farm. He you would have gotten away with it if you had left him. Yeah, like the bad person that you are. <laughs> and it's, it's like I hated that line because it's like, well, yeah, we know that already. We saw it happen. We saw it happen. We know she had the opportunity that she was conflicted, but ultimately she did the right thing, That's which the... is why she's a criminal with a heart of gold. Um, and this is how she got caught. Mm-hmm. Now, cut to her story. On the island, present day. Oh, man. This was so, in terms of, like, well-executed drama, in terms of, like, dramatic irony, because we know that Jack knows she's a criminal. Yes. But she doesn't know that Jack knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene when uh, they have gotten back. So, you know, we don't have to go beat by beat, but nah, nah, they nah, do nah, make nah. camp for the evening. So they're stuck out there for a while. This is the group who went up to use the transmitter and they got the French woman and, and they, they're all like, we, we're, we're shutting up about this, right? Yeah. This is, we don't want to cause a panic. And also important there that the group kind of votes that the only one they seem to all agree and trust to have the gun is Kate, the one that we, the audience, know is the most dangerous woman in the world, <laughs> according to the U.S. Marshal. And guys, the only person we can trust with this truth bomb of, you know, this message having played for 16 years is our white male protagonist, Jack. Jack, you're the only one we trust with this information. Well, you're de facto leader material. He's de facto leader. <laughs> so they come and they, Saeed gives this kind of this speech to all the extras, which, by the way, oh my God, how many extras. And I remember looking around like during the pilot and going, like, man, none of you look familiar, which means none of you are going to be important, which means none of you are going to be in that ending scene. <laughs> it's like it's y- remarkable how few of you are in that ending scene by comparison. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, that's just the nature of the of. I mean, that would be of any course, show, of course. but it's just kind of funny looking back. It's like, like, oh man, there were a lot of people. What the hell happens to all these people? <laughs> it's funny looking back and going like, I know exactly how many of you are important and how many of you aren't. <laughs> but the 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 series as it goes on addresses this in yeah. kind of fun ways. There's the the debatable. <laughs> there's the Frogert character. That guy who kind of calls them all out on it. Here's the thing is that, well, well, and we'll get to it more, but like every time a, one of these extras or, or a side character or a new actor that previously hadn't been on the show before starts going, hey guys, I've been on this island just as long as you. I'm a part of things. Like the second that person starts going, I'm important. You know they're dead. Well, the only time, <laughs> the only one that did that blatantly because they tried to involve them so much were Nikki and Paolo, but we'll get to that in season three, <laughs> which is a terrible. I thought they were decision. season two. Season three. Really? Yep. Holy cow! It was that long. And it's it's my my view of the timeline is so messed up. <laughs> oh, you got a lot. You're gonna. I got a lot. Remember? I'm blinded by my hatred. <laughs> um, but Saeed, and you know, it's funny when Saeed's giving this speech where he says things and then he's basically we're gonna be here a while let's uh 
break off into groups, gather food, water. As he's giving that speech, I'm like, you should be the leader. Yeah. And the only Saeed would have been a great protagonist. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and how controversial that would have been, and how great that would have been at the time. Sorry, sidebar. You continue. Um, but it, yeah, it would have been good. But I'm watching. I'm like, oh yeah, you 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 know what's going on. You were in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy knows what's up. But yeah, then there's the scene where Kate does decide to tell Jack, and I get why. I mean, on the fact that he's the protagonist, I get why she's telling him. Of course, he's been looped in a little bit more. He no, was he he saw the smoke monster he's basically. The man that jumped into action when everybody else was panicking. Yeah. He's the man that believed in her to do what needed to be done to fix him up. He he invested a lot of trust in her to stitch him up. And then they went on that escapade together and he taught her a very important lesson about controlling your fear. Yeah. And so, yeah, of course she's going to trust him with that information. It makes sense. I'm just making jokes about him being the de facto white male protagonist. <laughs> so what if I had a giant crush on him for like five years? It's fine. <laughs> so what ends up happening is uh, I, I like what you were saying about that scene because us as the audience know that they both have bits of information because oh, when she's like... It's fantastic. When That's she, Again, this is that show's writing at its best. And I'll I'll say the other thing that's great about it, you have Hurley as the outsider who also knows this information about her, and he sees she's bringing him information, or or she's talking to him, so you would assume he, much like the audience at that point, might assume, oh, maybe she's going to confess to what's, what she's what she oh, did. Oh, she's going to come clean. Um, for a good chunk of season one, and we'll get to it more when, like, you know, we, we take the focus to Hurley. But for a good chunk of season one, especially in these early episodes, Hurley is basically the voice of the audience. Um, yeah. He's he's a lot like the TSA agent in Get Out. And he's like, he is the person that the people who talk during the television episode, he's their voice, basically. Yeah. Uh, like, I can totally see him saying exactly what my dad or my mom would be saying to each other while watching the show. Oh, my gosh. Like, but she's a criminal. Does he know that? Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, this is good, guys. <laughs> And and, Dude. and and that scene's a great part because then it's like, well, then what the hell is she talking to? What did, what did they talk about then? There's, it's the idea that there are even more secrets, but the secret they talk about is the French woman, not Kate's face. And Jack is giving like, her this look like, oh, is that all you have to say? It's like, such is there a, it's such a dad thing to do. Uh, is there um, is there something else you want to tell me, Kate? Uh, anything else you wanna you wanna say? And Kate's not <laughs> dumb. She knows that there's that something because she keeps asking questions about the marshal. She she knows. Uh, I think probably. She, oh, go ahead. I think go ahead. she starts to know that he knows something. He, he but knows she's, something's wrong. Yeah, but she's gonna keep this. Neither up. of them are saying yeah. it. I think probably the the point where it comes to a like ahead for the audience is when she's going maybe it's best to put him out of his misery because you can't save him and us as an audience we don't know if that's coming from a true place of because we don't really know her yet and the flashbacks haven't really finished we informing haven't seen us. her save we yeah a man who betrayed her exactly so we're like we're sitting here going is she doing that to cover up her own tracks so that nobody here finds out who she really is, 
or is she is she saying that as a play like coming from a place of genuine compassion of like this is a man she knows and you know he he obviously they had a very interesting dynamic but this is still a man she knows and he's going to suffer a prolonged and terrible demise over the course of several days now when she first brings it up yeah what's so good is is watching it you go like you said you don't know which way she's falling and you might still be on it could the, go either way because you're like and, she clearly and, has an agenda and, to keep her secret and i think the episode really plays it in oh she probably just wants him dead yeah to keep her secret and to be honest even though like as the show goes on we know she has a heart of gold like to be honest we also know that she's totally willing to kill people for her own reasons or when it feels necessary and in this case by the time the series is done, you could argue it either way. You could argue, like, yeah, she did it for selfish reasons, she did it for selfless reasons, or she did it because of a little bit of both. I obviously can't put myself back in the mindset of when I watched this but uh, the first time, but I'm willing to bet the first time I thought she was doing it, for, saying this for selfish reasons. Until, either way, we know how it sounds to un- Jack. Until... Sawyer brings it up to Jack. And oh. then I start going, oh no, this actually, there's a logic to it. Because then it's a little more removed of emotion. It's being, Sawyer's being more pragmatic. And then Saeed kind of alludes to he's it. Like, he's like, hey, this is like super bothering a lot of people. <laughs> well, and said, isn't it great that Saeed like totally talks like Shannon in that regard? <laughs> That's why they're like perfect for each other, Will. <laughs> Like for realsies. <laughs> Saeed says something like, uh, "Like the rumor is, you can't save this yeah. guy." Yeah, it's like who said that? Uh, the the screams, the wailing in the distance. That's who. And at that point, at that point, Jack knows he can't. Yeah, kill. yeah. It's it's been well established, and you know for a fact Hurley's been talking to people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hurley's talking to everybody. He's like, dude, Jack totally can't save that guy. What are we gonna do, man? <laughs> Uh, he wants me to go up on that plane and steal stuff from the dead people. <laughs> you know, and it, it's funny. As much as in the I said my takeaway from rewatching the pilot was how much of a dick Sawyer was <laughs> in this in the in this third episode, second really. So much humanity is added to him. Even when he's like looting in the cabin, and I think that's a great scene. The first of many really showing the dichotomy inc- between him and Jack. Yeah. Um, oh, that don't, doesn't about sum it up, right? <laughs> Sawyer is is pragmatic. Sawyer's smart. Sawyer is thinking logically to some extent. He's selfish still in that he's going to take a bunch of this shit for himself. And then most likely, like, sell it to other people. Like, give them what they need for a price. You know he's going to set up his own little bartering station. Yeah. Well, but what, what what's interesting is the point he makes about the pills. Like, you're gonna waste these drugs. It's it's a waste yeah. to use them on this guy on who's this gonna guy die. Who's not- we might need them. Look at the big picture. And I think in that moment Jack knows he's right, but he also and Sawyer later even says, as a doctor, I get it. I get why you're not. But you know we have to do something about this guy. Um, and then he goes and talks to Kate about how 
we got to do something about this guy. I'm glad I'm not. I mean, it's so. I, I said <laughs> Sawyer's no longer a dick in this. He's still a dick because he is so he's still manipulative. Totally a dick, but he's. It's one of those things where he's a dick who um, he's constantly pretending like he's in control, like he has a handle on the situation. He's like. You know, hey, Doc, I'm just doing this for the greater good or whatever. But then, like, you really see how out of his depth he is and how even though he pulled out that gun and killed that polar bear, like, without the blink of an eye, when you see him at the end of this episode... He's broken. He, oh, my goodness. It it completely changed my my view of him from the first two episodes. Well, let's get to what he, he does then. Uh, in case people don't remember. So he he's kind of shitty and manipulative with Kate to get the gun back. And guns are going to be, as the series goes on, a big thing with Sawyer early on. Because there's a lot of... A lot there's of, a lot of history there. And a lot of guns being hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sawyer... Uh, we don't know he gets the gun back from Kate. And we see Kate go into the tent and talk to the marshal. And they kind of have this moment, and the marshal like asks what the favor was going to be. This what, is a great scene. This is a very well acted. Because on the plane before everything went to hell, she said, "Can you do me a favor?" And, and then he was knocked unconscious. And the favor was going to be make sure that Ray, the farmer, got the reward money. And the guy kind of like laughs, and he in in the like, but he totally ratted you out, girl. Woo! And the marshal is basically knowing he's going to die. And he's basically put me out of my misery. Yeah. He's like, and he puts her in a really shitty moral situation, too, because he's like, I want you to be the one to do it. And it's like that says a lot about their dynamic and about their history together, where in his mind, he's like, this is a fitting end for me. Like, if if you are the one that I trust to get the job done. Marshall's fucked up. He really is because like, and I feel like in his mind, he views him hunting her down as like this sort of Wild West story of yeah, like, yeah. That's the, exactly what, that's why he pulls up and I, does the finger gun. I, he's got, I got the outlaw. Or he's woman on the run from the law. I got her. He thinks it's like the TV show, The Fugitive yeah. or something. Like, yeah, he's, he's. He's like, it's narratively important to the end of my story that you're the one to kill me. And then around the same time. And she's like, you're an idiot. At the the same time, uh, Hurley is talking to Jack. And he's like, why are you letting her in there with him? And he's like, well, what's she going to do? And he goes, well, she's got the gun. And Jack's like, And Jack's like, wait, what? And he's running towards that. That was a bit of information that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Well, not everybody tells Jack everything. (laughs) And then we see Kate leaving the tent. And is like, oh, it's okay. Uh, Oh, yep, 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 yep. And this was great. And I remember thinking this was great the first time I saw it. And it was great now. Then you hear the gunshot. And the assumption is that she gave him the gun to shoot himself. Like, Is that the assumption? That's what I thought. When oh, you I mean first, when you first hear the when gunshot? I, when you first hear the gunshot, I assumed way back in the day that she had said, I'm not going to kill you, but here's the gun. You can you can make that decision for yourself by forever. And then and then my assumption was that the US, she gave the U.S. Marshal the gun and that he shot himself. But then Sawyer steps out of the tent, and you're like, no! 
and he's already like he's you know he's he's coming he's out there with very kind of this, smug yeah about like it. the guy was begging for it i had to do what i had to do like i don't like it any more than you i do. did what needed to be done jack what you couldn't do you can totally tell like he's putting on this alpha male persona of like i'm the alpha on this he's, island and, and as we get to know story, we realize he's really putting on a show. He's putting on a con, if yeah. you will. A long con, because we don't know how long we're going to be on this island. But then I think we see our first moment of real emotion from Sawyer when we realize he fucked it up. He's so bad at it. Oh. He shot the marshal in the chest. He's like, I was aiming for his heart. Well, Are you, you an missed. idiot? You're an idiot. You aim for the head. Zombie rules, man. Yeah. What the freak? Even an even a headshot is not a guaranteed death. You are bad at this, Sawyer. You're so bad at this. You did you did a bad thing, Sawyer, <laughs> and, and you should feel bad. And he is. Uh, and Josh Holloway does a great job in this because he is visibly shook. This is why I was in love with him as well for like five years. It's fine. It's fine. He's a very handsome man, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, there is nothing wrong no, with that. No, 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 no. But, like, watching this episode again and seeing him give those puppy dog eyes at the end of the episode when uh, Saeed tosses in the apple, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's why I was in love with you. And that's a nice <laughs> little moment where, because I think Saeed, at this point, everyone knows what's happened. Everybody and knows, it's yeah. a little acknowledgement, like, hey, man. Like, but, I mean, look, the, the outcome was going to be the same no matter what. But, yeah, all of a sudden you realize how affected he is that he fucked this up because one it does it up so and bad. I guess you could argue that it also throws a wrench in his like overly masculine uh, alpha male coming out like because he didn't do it does. right. But it, I think he's also like I don't he think genuinely he... thought he was doing the right thing in in a weird warped way. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was giving this guy an act of mercy, and all he did was cause him more suffering and force Jack's hand to do what he fucked up doing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, again, where you really see the crack in the armor for Sawyer as a character who's been putting on such bravado that, like, just he cannot light that stupid cigarette. He can't yeah. do it. He's shaking. And then for the rest of the episode, you really see the emotion on his face that's Fan, with, without any dialogue, it's fantastic acting. The man was a master of emoting, and oh, so dreamy while he did it. <laughs> I, you know, Sawyer. Like I said, by the end of the series, Sawyer had become my favorite character, and it, it happened. Sawyer came out much better than a lot of other characters, and that's saying a lot. And it happened in the. It really, for me, happened in the middle seasons, and you're not gonna like it, but a lot of it has to do with Juliet. She didn't deserve him. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I'm <laughs> trying to think. Now I'm trying to think who my biggest lost character crush was. Who was it? Did I don't it, know. Did you? Was it Kate? Was it Claire? I don't, uh, you know what? I don't think I sat around thinking about the women of Lost all well, that much. In, that's all, in great, all honesty, because you were you were you were a little bit more mature when I was. Because when I was watching this, uh, when it first started, I was still in high school, um, and so like when. I started watching this. I was definitely like, oh, look at all these handsome boys. So it's nice to know that you were more mature in terms of, like, you're looking at the show not objectifying the women. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, Kate's an attractive woman. She's very attractive. But I don't think 
there was, well, you know what? Maybe there's somebody. She makes an pop- attractive elf in The Hobbit later. <laughs> yeah, she does make an She's attractive gorgeous. elf in The Hobbit. I forgot she was in The Hobbit. That's because The Hobbit isn't worth remembering. And I just did a rewatch of all the Lord of the Rings <laughs> films. Really? And then we made a joke afterwards. Me and my friends were like, now we're going to watch The Hobbits? No, and we're like, ha, 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 no. no. Um, <laughs> Benedict so, Cumberbatch was great. Martin Freeman was great. The, and that's all I have to say about that. Um, but again, this isn't Hobbit talk. <laughs> no. This is no this love is not loss. This the, the, the Hobbit talk podcast where we talk um, well, all you things know, Hobbit. You know, um, so... But what? yeah, uh, like in terms of if you happen to think of your your lost crush, if it ends up being Juliet, I'm sorry. That's where I flip the table and I walk out on you. <laughs> there, I, I mean, there's a chance in those middle seasons. <laughs> hey, but just think of it this way. You and I, if we could have broken that couple up. Yeah, um, we could have. With our powers combined, we could have fixed that. So let's talk about some of the other because that's basically where that, that's basically where the crux of the episode goes. And then it ends on that scene with Jack and Kate, I mean, the Kate storyline of that we started this episode with, which is the tabula rasa uh, idea of a blank slate. A fresh start. Jack's uh, basically like, Kate, I don't know where you're going, and I don't know why, but listen to your heart. <laughs> so let's talk about some other little minor things. Yeah. We see the very early start of the uh, what will become a very intense relationship with the uh, Charlie Claire flirtation. I have to say, I have a cold, dead heart. There's a black hole where my heart should be uh, that no light can escape from. But gosh darn it, if seeing Charlie and Claire together at the, you know, episode three of this series didn't melt my ice cold stone heart. Because I literally, out loud, I went, oh, Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I mean you feel you and and knowing knowing how it ends too. Well, even just knowing the buildup, just knowing how genuine his affection for her is, in like and and where where it ends up leading. Like I I sit here and I'm like that's like in terms of like all the shippy stuff that happens as the show goes yeah. on. I was like that was the OTP of this series yeah. was. Was Charlie and Claire? But it was there was always an uphill battle because it was you know it was he, he had his own demons and yeah she and he had came her own on issues. he came on intense mm-hmm. I mean but right now it's just but it's also it's, it's kind of also, funny still like wander watching him wander around knowing he's high as a kite yeah. and just like woo but it's also <laughs> it, it, it becomes very interesting the idea that he went for the pregnant woman too who you don't think of as. Like, As, that's not who people are going to be going after. They're going to be going after Shannon, you know, yeah. who's, like, very cute and young. and well, Claire's cute super... and young. Oh, absolutely. Claire's but... cuter, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, no offense to Maggie Smith, but, yeah. I mean, well, in terms Maggie of, like, Grace. how— Maggie Oh, sorry. Or maybe sorry. Maggie <laughs> Smith, too. <laughs> I'm thinking down that to Abby. Be, now, that would be an incredible—I want to— I would love that love story. Recast this— <laughs> With Maggie oh my Smith and the Maggie Smith. Could you Grace imagine book. Maggie Smith playing Shannon? Oh my gosh. But Her and Saeed, the greatest love story ever told. Um, but no, like it's it's so endearing seeing what great chemistry they had at the time. Because that's that's really the selling point of any relationship on television or in film 
is like if you don't buy the chemistry you don't care if they end up together or not and they had such good chemistry um the other thing we see uh sun and jin uh, and he yeah. tells her to like wash up and he's like a little and it's again we we learn a lot more about how his character became so hard and uh as the series goes on but we see him being like kind of hard and kind of like you got to clean up you but, th- but as then, soon as he's done with that he's like jen i love you and Aww. that's like yes yeah, he he's still the softy is in there still yeah it's funny because after this disaster literally every every kind of dude on who survived the plane crash is putting on this alpha male persona with the exception of charlie and hurley because um you know, <laughs> because Charlie's high as a kite and Hurley's just such a laid back dude. But Jin, Saeed, Sawyer, Jack, they're all trying to be men about it, so to speak. Um, and, and again, we know that Jin is being really hard on his wife, given the buildup to when we get to their buildup episode, um, when we get to their backstory, we know why he's acting the way he's acting. But in this moment, we see the we see the man beneath that surface, and we won't really know that that's the real him until later in the series. But we see elements of it here when he's like, "I love you," and when she's asleep, and he's just gently brushing her hair. And it's not meant to be creepy. It's it's very much played up as a tender moment of like, this is a guy who's putting on this front because he loves this woman with all his heart. Yeah. Um, although soon has another revealing moment can in this I, episode. Can we talk about well, Michael? Well, let, let me set it up. So, <laughs> uh, Michael, rightfully so, is asking a lot of questions about the secrets that an older yeah. ball, I don't know why I'm saying it because he's bald <laughs> an older man, an older man. has like, been has been talking and, and playing games with his son he's we like were, oh, we were Ms. talking about john locke earlier they are very much steering into the fact that you can't trust john locke especially the ending shot well, of this I episode wanna, i kind of want to i want to yeah, get we'll, to that we'll, we'll get i want to end we'll with that but um because that <laughs> so shit <laughs> what happened though is I, I totally get why Michael would be like, mm, "That's a little weird." This man told you a secret, and, he, and Walt's like, "Hey, he's my friend, Dad." And I, I think Michael's being Michael's like, really making cautious. the exact right calls because Locke's being a freaking creeper right now, right? But Walt uh, is like, "You don't care. You gotta get my dog. Get my dog because you don't <laughs> care about me." Um. Uh, by the way, just watched an episode of uh, this times when we recorded this, and God knows when this is. But just watched another thing where a child whined about a dog, and someone ended up dead. So, <laughs> so you know what? Sometimes I know we all love our pets, but sometimes you gotta let them go. But anyway, <laughs> Walt. Well, I mean, I get that he's a child, but it's like, you were in a plane crash. So the, A plane crash. So the dog is, is out there, and, and Michael's like, I'll get you, dog. But it really is speaking to a bigger thing about their relationship. And Walt has a th- has never been close with his father. They don't really have much of a relationship. Um, and and they've already laid really good groundwork for that idea. And, <laughs> and um, it goes 
it, it doesn't go as far as it could have or should have, but it goes further than you're giving it credit for. Does That's it? my argument. Does yes. it really? We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it around season four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. About a year from now. <laughs> I'll I'll do um I'll do the very Salinas thing of doing it and I'll just hold on to my yeah. rage That's and passive aggressiveness. I want you to hold on to your rage. So, <laughs> I'll hold on to my passive aggressiveness until a year from now and I'll just explode on this podcast. So Michael goes uh, I, in a very in like such a like straight up like kind of hackneyed comedic. As soon as the rain stops, I'm gonna go get your dog. Stops. <laughs> and then he's wandering the jungle and he gets chased by what is obviously a, a boar. We, we, you know, but I, I think even at that time, it's obviously not a polar bear or the smoke monster. I don't know. It's hard to say. I know. It was making pig noises. <laughs> I don't remember what we'll I thought back. It. It, we'll what did you think in 2004, people? Let I me know. Did you know. think it was a boar? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> he runs. He's being chased by this thing, and he runs, and he runs into a clearing. And who is there bathing herself but Sun? And mm. I feel like you have some thoughts on Michael at this moment. I, I do. Well, like, one of the things that they – very much leaned into in the pilot and in this episode um back before we knew who who um you know before we really knew Jin and Son what they were leaning into was this potential relationship with was this sexual tension between Michael and Son and yeah. they were I don't know if they were setting that up as a love triangle or if they wanted to explore that more in terms of their relationship I don't know, but I remember watching, the, you know, just just from our rewatches, watching the pilot and watching this episode and go, huh, that's a plot thread that never freaking went anywhere was this sexual tension between Michael and I, son. It goes nowhere and it serves no purpose I because would, Michael doesn't do anything. I totally disagree. I love that it doesn't go anywhere. I love that it didn't turn into a sexual or romantic thing because her and Jin are meant to be together. Of course they're oh, meant to be together, but, but I'm saying why freaking set it up because, if you're not going to do anything with it? Because what it sets up is the idea of her. She is in a very domineering relationship that she was going to uh, uh, leave. And I think it's And this just, is a man showing her compassion and respect and like trying to yes, like, I'm so sorry. Yes, and it's showing that there's this other thing, but also... It, it, it forces the dynamic of Jin has to learn that his He's got to step it up. Uh, that it, also that his wife can have male friends, mm-hmm. that she can be her own person and have these own people in her life. So that's what I think it does. From Sun's story arc, yes. Yes, it does. I'm sitting here knowing what becomes of Michael and going, man, you serve no purpose. Switch this out with any other male character and it's the same thing because it goes nowhere and does nothing it works for her it doesn't work for yeah, him yeah but michael's got this whole other storyline with this that kid. also it, goes nowhere but but what i'm saying is i think that maybe i'm being more hard on it I than think i should you're, i be. think you're being more hard on it than you should be because i think that we see this I liked my shipping fodder when I was in high school, Will. Because I was going to say, we see this from the other end, reverse to gender sometime, where where this idea goes nowhere for a woman. 
character. It goes nowhere for a male character here no, with Michael. No, I'm sitting here going, it goes nowhere for him because his story goes nowhere. He's like the only black man on this island right now. He's the only black man on this island right now. And what happens to him? He dies in a stupid explosion after going crazy and doing nothing to contribute anything to anyone. Because of time traveling bunnies. <laughs> We're going to have a big problem. Uh, season four, <laughs> yes, we tell. are. We're going to fight. And it's going to be great. <laughs> um, Sorry. But, but, this me, is a but, fine but, scene. But, but it's for, just frustrating to me but, knowing that it doesn't go anywhere for him. Okay. Because his story you, arc, So you even have a problem with the Sun thing going nowhere for him. Yeah. Because you keep bringing it back to, like, him in general. Because what ends up happening is he doesn't... He ends up throwing everything away because of Walt. Which means everything leading up to that is superfluous. But at this point, Walt is the most important thing in his life. Yeah, and it'd be nice if Walt did anything. Walt's got fucking magic power. Yeah, that he uses for nothing. Look. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. What What does Walt's magic powers do for anyone? Well, he does come and in, in, he comes in visions to John Locke at certain points. That's nice. Does goes, that save John Locke? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but see, you're looking at this. You gotta understand that it's not it's it's the world that's being saved. It's the balance of good and evil the that world. is being Yeah. Mm. The light at the center of the island is everything. It is all is that is it? good and is all that is evil. <laughs> it is all that encompasses the and universe. Like, and what did Walt do to help with all that? The answer is nothing. Yeah, he told John Locke to get up. Mm. Get up and get out of that pit of bodies mm. in season three. And what ended up happening to John? Or maybe it was season four. <laughs> what ended up happening to John? Everything, ha everything that happened had to happen for a reason. But now we're getting, <laughs> now we're, now we're going too far down a rabbit hole Again, that has nothing to do with debatable. this episode. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. That's gonna be the this real is, catchphrase the of this thing. show. We're in episode three right now. Will Are, is our friendship gonna fucking survive? <laughs> I, I'm honestly. If you had asked me this before five minutes ago, I would have said yes, but now I'm not sure. Um, so let's get back to this. Let's, let's get, get back, back on this. track. That's we'll the danger of this podcast and the emotional weight that we both have in this series. And the thing is, I know I have – what's frustrating is I know I have legitimate defenses against everything you're saying, but it's been so – because I had them – I had them – <laughs> like seven years ago but it's been so long i have to get the refresher yeah. it's it's been a while like i said I, I i'm having a hard time remembering who did what and what season so i i forgot a lot and uh like well, i said i don't have a lot to complain about in this season but but like i said the only thing i i have to dislike in this episode is that the sexual tension between uh, between Michael and Son doesn't go anywhere for his story arc. It does for her, as you as you pointed out. It uh, definitely does for her, but ultimately but for him, it doesn't amount to anything. And I find that frustrating as somebody who I don't know feels like maybe less black men should die on television. Yeah, well, look. To be fair, some of those black men on Lost died because they got DUIs and. <laughs> <laughs> 
and had <laughs> problems off. I mean, that's the thing. That's the reality that's of the television, reality too. Of it, yeah. Um, it's. I mean, the reality of some Walt problems are the kid was growing too fast. Yeah, you and know, the, and part of the uh, we'll get to it when we when we start talking about the other people on the island. But man, Michelle Rodriguez, if that didn't break my heart. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, talk about it. We'll talk about it for sure. So. Michael gets very befuddled because I guess he's never seen a naked woman before. Despite um, the fact he has a child. <laughs> um, and then what ends up? It is very endearing. It's a very endearing character moment for the both of them. Of like, It's a very anime moment of like, I didn't mean to wander in here. So sorry. And then what ends up happening is Locke does this really nice thing. Locke had made a dog whistle because he knew that the dog was lost. Vincent. Whittling it all throughout the episode. And he... he calls the dog but then he doesn't bring the dog he he ties the dog up i guess somewhere and he he tells michael the dog's over there come like he knows michael needs this win and he gives it to him funny because that's so indicative of who john locke has become on this island not necessarily what he will be but what he is in this moment and like the crux of who he is as a decent human being john locke's a good man but it's so funny and now we'll get to yeah. it. That the end of the episode, there's and they did this a few times where there are these montages. They which, they do a wrap up of all the important characters. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> her, while Hurley listens to his disc man, and eventually that disc man will batteries will run. I out. remember that moment, and yeah. I was kind of expecting it to happen I was here. Too, I was yeah. just like, oh man, but yeah, I guess that's later on. And we we see all the characters, and then it ends on John Locke and the music gets dark and he's giving this weird look as he's just looking out to everybody and I remember watching this episode when it aired and being like this fucking creepy guy <laughs> like oh my god getting like the yeah. eebie-jeebies and I, I'm, I'm sitting here knowing that he's not a monster yet and I'm sitting here going like man they are really playing up the creep factor. Why they, did they play up the creep factor? They wanted us. What, what was kind of sm- one thing that I think is in Looking a way at good the about parallels it. of this season and the final season. It makes sense of like knowing what but, role John Locke plays at the end of things. But it also makes sense to to have these discordant things. Even in the next episode, like I like the idea that this episode was keeping us. In the little bit of screen time he had. Like, it makes it more impactful, our, the reveal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it keeps us on our toes about John Locke. And I remember then sitting down to watch the next episode, Walkabout. And when that episode ended, and even though this is a spoiler thing, since it's the next episode we're going to do, I'm not going to spoil it. But but when Hopefully that, you've already seen the series yeah, at this point. But, but that episode, when that ended, I was like, oh, this makes sense and now i understand why he was looking like that and stuff yeah. like that and it's really just they, that michael giacchino score uh, over it that in terms of you. how well thought out this first season was there's even a tidbit in this episode where charlie is helping claire move stuff and he's using a wheelchair and he's like oh well whoever whoever you know this belonged to we're better off than them at this point or or something along those lines but he's using the wheelchair to move things around and they make a comment about it and there's a payoff for that in the very next episode this first season is so well thought out and so well done and so good at planting and payoff 
Uh. So, so, so speaking of payoff, as we end this episode, and this is going to become a more fun thing to do when we get into later episodes, uh, where I force you to say something good. And and I force you to say something bad. I will say that one of the big pros for this episode for me is uh, uh, Sawyer, uh, the emotional Sawyer stuff. And if I were to say a con for me, if I have to find something bad in this episode, and there's nothing bad about Lois. <laughs> um, but if I had to find something bad about it, um, I do wonder if, this is a case where the writers didn't know how far they were going to go with Kate, and they've they've blown her crimes. Not that her crimes aren't significant, but they've blown them out of proportion, out of proportion to yeah. a way that it never lived up to. <coughs> that's uh, fair. That that's my thing. What would? How about you? Uh, pro. Um, I mean, most of the episode is really well done. Yeah. It's very well acted. It's very well written. Again, planting and payoff is good. Um, great performances, um, very well done in terms of like story structure. And again, in this early season, I feel like the flashbacks added to the character development as opposed to distracted from the story where it was. They really did inform on things. Um, in terms of cons, yeah, I, I, like the the marshal's a little crazy, but he's dying, so whatever. He, the marshal uh, <laughs> is a little crazy. I mean, a little the, over the top. The actor, and I'm blanking on his name, but he's a character actor. You've seen a million things. He's playing this really. Even the scene Very when over he's the top. Yeah. Even the scene when he's on the airplane, he gives this creepy ass smile, and it was in the pilot, and then it was in this it's episode. One of those things again. where it's like, uh, is she bad, or like, should you not have become a U.S. Marshal? Because you're yeah. making me uncomfortable, yeah. and I'm on this side of the fourth wall. Yeah. Um. So, Khan, probably, he's a little over the top. Over the top, Marshal. Um, yeah, I have to give it to you. Pro is definitely Sawyer. Vulnerable Sawyer. Um, but yeah, Khan, over the top performance, and like I said, Michael's, Michael's character moment though endearing ultimately doesn't go anywhere should our pros and cons sections be renamed uh jacob man in black (laughs) one is light and And one one is is dark dark. (laughs) tune into the next episode to find out if we go with that oh my spoiler alert i think we're going to (laughs) um so uh that's it for uh episode three of season one uh, Megan, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. You can also listen to my podcast, Will Sean Podcast. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. And uh, be sure if, to follow us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at. No Love Lost Pod. On both Twitter and Instagram. And, and like us on Facebook. Yeah, and tweet at us, and we'll uh, we'll keep this dialogue going. Indeed. And, and if you want to tweet at us at other about other television that is very similar to Lost or about other J.J. Abrams projects, or any, we love hearing your guys' thoughts on those, too. Yeah, honestly, I'll talk anything TV, as long as it's something I'm watching and can or talk realsies. about. Yeah. Um, okay, so we will see you next week. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. 
Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and Proud to be Kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. 